Hi, everyone. It's Marilyn Aloria, and welcome to Who Can It Be Now, the podcast. And this is part two of where I take your questions and I answer them. And I'm not sure if I'm going to get through all of these questions. So this is something that if uh, I feel it's useful, hopefully you do too. I'd love to hear back from you about whether you feel this is useful or not for you. I will continue to do this because I love answering your questions and I also love teaching. So before I go into the questions today, make sure to follow me on social media at Marilyn Aloria one on Facebook and Marilyn Aloria on Instagram. I am active on both those places and I would love to communicate with you and talk with you and see how you're doing. And if you're interested in joining any of my programs, do take a look at my website, MarilynAloria.com. And you can see Membership for Your Soul and Soul Finder Academy, which are two unbelievable, amazing programs, if I do say so myself, as well as if you want some of the digital product, you could uh, take the coupon podcast and enter it. You can't do this for membership or Soul Finder, but for the digital product that's up there, there's a lot of great classes up there. Put that podcast coupon code in and you're going to get a nice percentage off of that particular uh, product. And if you do that, you may just get an opportunity to join membership for a dollar for 30 days. You never know what's going to happen. So I hope that everybody's doing well. Um, I love, love, love teaching. And I'm just so excited that my community gave me questions as well as people on Facebook. I don't know what happened to you Instagrammers, why you um, hid from the questions, but that's okay. We'll do this again, possibly. I think we will be. Um, I may do something different with it and exciting and interesting. And also remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Okay, let's get to the next question. Marianne says, I've been working on allowing mediumship to come through in readings for myself and others. So if you listened to my soapbox last week, what she's referring to is speaking to deceased loved ones because there is a definition out there that mediumship is only when you're speaking to deceased loved ones. For me, that's not true. And I've explained it in the last episode. So you're going to have to listen to that because it was really good. It's my soapbox. But anyway, this is what Marianne is referring to. And I get it because um, that's referred how it's referred to a lot in the majority. And I don't have too much of a problem with that. I have a problem with the other thing. Like if I'm giving you a life reading and you're calling it a psychic reading. And I'm like, no, dude, I ain't reading your energy. I'm not reading what you're wearing like a coat. I'm taking everything from my guides and your deceased loved ones. Things you don't even know yet. Trust me. That's not a psychic reading. Psychic readings are when you just read the person. All right, which is why I would never go to a psychic if I was going for readings. I usually go for a medium or a channeler. I've been working on allowing mediumship to come through in readings for myself and others. I feel like I get in my own way. I seem to be able to do it easier for myself than others, likely due to a fear of being judged. Great question. Some guidance on how to overcome, that would be great. So Marianne, you are not alone. This is a typical experience for most people that enter into this work. Now, I don't know if it's everybody because I can't really speak for the masses. I can speak for what I witnessed in the people that I teach as well as what happened in my own experience. And it is sometimes difficult when you're reading another person and a deceased loved one comes in you you may start judging your own information. You may start judging it. You may be afraid. What if I'm right? What if I'm wrong? I don't know. What if they're not getting this? I'm going to feel like a fool. It's really a vulnerable situation that you put yourself in, right? You're feeling like, okay, I can do this. And you know you can do it. Marianne's in membership for your soul. And she's in a beautiful, beautiful person. And I've gotten to know her really well. And I know that you can do this. And I once 
had a producer say to me, because I was very insecure too in the beginning, but it didn't stop me. Like I just had to keep going, 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 because I felt like I was like a puppeteer and spirit was just like, go left, go right, go talk to these people, go do platform readings now, go read this person who just lost their dad. And I'd be like, all right, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. So the, the answer to you is to just do it. But I'm going to tell you other answers too. This, I once uh, was talking to this producer. He was, they were, you know, in, interested in me for doing a show. And he, I said to him, you know, I can get really insecure at times. And he said, your insecurity is what makes you great. And he was right. It really rang true because I didn't have this ego. I was like, oh man, I'm just approaching it from my own heart and soul. I feel like that's what made me great at it. And I feel like that's, what's going to make you even better at it and great at it yourself. Because you're not coming from ego. You're coming from, oh my goodness, I really want to do the best that I can for this person. But if you're mainly worried about how that person is receiving you, you're in the way. So I have to, I don't know that I can answer this question in its entirety because it's a very big question that takes a lot to answer. But I do want to give you a couple of point, pointers here. One of the things I did for myself to stop this struggle was I, it wasn't about me. So I got very, very clear that when people came for a reading, I, my work was with my guides. So before they came and you could listen to this in Soulful Tarot, go to Master Your Readings and you'll learn about, um, Master Your Readings, you'll learn about a bit what I did before I went into readings. So what I would do is open up to my guides. I had a whole ritual. It would take a long time in the beginning because I was getting used to the information. I also felt like I had to do certain ritualistic things for myself because I'm very ritual basis, based for being Catholic, being raised Catholic. I, ritual speaks to me. So I would do certain ritualistic things that would get me into the space. And then I would open up all my gifts and I would connect. I was connected to my guides and I would say, you know, um, I, I would say certain specific things. So find those things that are going to help you to just connect with your guides. I'd be like, I'm graduating my clairvoyancy to the highest level of mediumship. I promise to trust everything I see. That would be like one of the things I would say. And I would go through all my gifts saying things like that. And I would be in the chakra when I said it. So I would be owning that particular gift. The whole idea of this was I was bringing, I was opening my gifts up, opening my energy up, opening my vibration up to receive, but I was also connecting with my guides. And whoever was coming to me wasn't any of my business. I knew that it was my guides who were making this happen. And my goal was to just get my information from them. So at the very end of when I was opening up and before I'd go into the reading, I'd say, um, I can't remember exactly what I would say because it's so in me and it's so personal, I think, to me that my guides don't really they, they kind of like hold it so sacred to that space. But it was basically... Um, I promise to take everything from you. Um, I promise to trust everything I see, hear, feel, sense, and know. You want to say that because I'll tell you in a second why, but I would say I promise to trust everything I see, hear, feel, sense, and know. I will speak everything I see, hear, feel, sense, and know. And um, I ask that you work through me. Then when I entered into the space of the reading, I my focus wasn't even on the person. Some people, I was so strict when people would come into in-person readings because they weren't allowed to speak. They couldn't have any, I couldn't have anything to my right because I saw everything to my right. So they had to put their bag to the left. They couldn't have like eyeglasses on their head. Like, so there were certain things that I would like say, you know, sit, blah, 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 turn on the recorder. But I had very like strict boundaries. I didn't want them to talk. And um, I remember one poor girl was afraid to move. And I said, why are you afraid to move? She goes, I'm afraid you just, and I was like, oh my goodness, it was hilarious actually. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. 
but I had, I had to, that was my way of, um, containing the energy and being in the room. And it's a way of control, but not really. It was my way of just working with my guides. So the person would sit there and I wasn't even paying attention to them. I was just everything I was taking from my guides. I was just giving them, giving them, giving them at certain portions during the reading, I would check in. They were only allowed to say yes or no. And I would say, does this make sense? If a deceased loved one came in, I had to get the yeses or nos because we have yet to create a relationship. My guides and I have a relationship. I know my guides are talking to their guides. I know what my guides feel like. But if a deceased person came into the room, I didn't know what they felt like. So they were new to me. And I had to make sure I was definitely getting the deceased loved one. So say somebody's father came in the room and he told me he died of a heart attack. I'd be like, your father died of a heart attack. Yes. Um, he's got three siblings. You got three siblings. Yes. Um, you come from Connecticut. No. Okay. So there may be a couple of no's in there, but that's okay. The majority had to be yeses. And then once I knew I got the deceased loved one through the yeses and no's answers, then I would launch into the readings. And my readings were, were mostly about the person's life, not about, thank you for serving me the soup. That might be a yes or no that you, you serve them. I remember that was one of them. You serve them soup with saltines. He really enjoyed it. Like, oh, thank you so much. I was so hoping he would because he couldn't really talk and he had to eat. Um, one came in with rubbing alcohol. The father loved to spread. That's a very specific thing, right? He loved to put rubbing alcohol over his body. So once I get the yeses or nos, I would launch into the reading. And to really truthfully, Marianne, I did not focus on the person. And that might sound strange, but it's not. Because this is why I loved phone readings. I remember one woman was standing in front of me and she kept nodding yes. And so I didn't check in with her. I just kept going. And then I said to her, do you understand? And she was like, no. And she was just very polite. So she was saying yes. I don't wait for... um, So in that case, I just... I I go check in with my guides and I'm like, oh, this is the information. So I'm giving it to you. One of the biggest things I've learned is however the experience is for the other person, they're coming to you to have that experience. You've got to let them have the experience. If they leave, they're hating you. That's the experience. There's nothing you can do about it. Maybe that catapults them into never getting readings again. So they trust themselves. You don't know, but you could ask your guides, let's not have those situations. I really want to have really good, uh, comfortable situations. It is mind chatter. But the thing that got me out of the mind chatter was when I just focused on my guides and focused on the deceased loved one and focused on my gifts, focused on what I was seeing and hearing. Now, the biggest times that I wanted to kick myself in the butt, this just happened to me the other night because some of the people in tennis, they know what I do. And this guy lost his brother and the brother kept, was standing behind him. We're at the end of a party outside on the street. And the brother's standing behind him. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And the brother's saying, I'm 65. I was 65. And I thought my the guy that I was talking to was 65. I wasn't sure how old he was. And I didn't say anything. And I said, how old was your brother when he died? And he said, 65. And I was like, oh, you know. And then the brother said, Michael. And I said, who's Michael to my friend? And he said, that's my oldest brother. And so I, and I know the, and I didn't give him the information yet. I need to give it to him because his brother did give me information, but it's moments like that, that you want to say what comes to you. And many times I got to tell you, Marianne, I would do readings and the person would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to tell you another story in a second. And I was like, my commitment was to spirit. I had to give everything I got. 
And I would just, I would say, I did a couple of disclaimers in the beginning of the reading. Take what you like, leave the rest. I'm, I would, a spirit would come in and say something. And the person would be like, I don't know what you're saying. I'm like, well, I'm giving it to you. You get to choose what you want with it, but I'm not allowed to hold information back. So when you give yourself permission like that, it helps with the mind chatter and allows the flow to happen. And it also gets you off the hook a bit, right? Because with my readings, many times people did not know what I was talking about. And if, if I allowed that to affect me, I, I wouldn't be here today, but I didn't. I was like, it was enough that people would go back and there was something they trusted about me. And then they'd come back to me and be like, holy mackerel. I had no clue that we had an Aunt Rose who had a china closet that got stolen, like crazy stuff. I don't remember the stories. I wish I did. I wish I recorded all those stories that they told me of things that I said to them that, that they found out. I'm going to tell you one story to help you. But so you don't want to hold yourself back. So your work is with your guides. The mind chatter is going to get out of the way when you make a commitment with your guides, with your, with however you're getting the information, you know, um, speak through me, uh, help me to connect with the spirit. I would sometimes ask before a reading, um, give me names and dates. I was very good with names. I don't know how good I am with names these days, although I had it the other night. Give me names and dates, give me siblings, give me exact locations of where they grew up. I would ask specific things to my guides before I went into the reading. I didn't just go airy-fairy. I was like, okay, I want names, dates, birthdays. I want how many siblings. I want how many kids. I want how they died. Give me all that specific information so the person can trust me and I can trust the spirit and then we can launch into the reading. It worked. So mind chatter is going to be there, but you can work around it. And that's you're developing your relationship with your own soul, your own work, your own guidance, and then with your guides, if you're choosing to work the way that I work. And if you haven't heard that, listen to the episode before. So one of the stories, I do group readings, as you know, right? And I was on a telesummit. I've shared the story before, but I'm going to share it again because it was a really crucial moment in my time. The person who had me on the telesummit believes in a lot of that antiquated medium stuff. And so I felt I was never impressive to her because I don't believe in the way that these people do stuff. And she uh, lost a significant person in her life. She had a reading by one of the best mediums. Um, Let me see if I can find his book. Er, I can't remember his name right now, but I really do like him and I like his books a lot. Never had a reading with him. Um, but if I find it, I'll put it in membership for you. And uh, so anyway, so I felt already I felt that feeling of, uh, you know, she likes me. She likes my work, but she's more on the, the side of the medium people that I don't like, you know, that I'm not impressed by. So I was doing a call for her group, her um, telesummit. And I didn't really resonate. I wasn't resonating with her audience that much. I felt like it. Like, I was like, this is interesting because, you know, a person's going to grab, community is going to gravitate to a person. If we have different belief systems, they're not necessarily going to be in my corner. So I was reading this one girl and her father came through and I said, your father's here and he's talking about Frank. Who's Frank? He's telling me he's with Frank and they're having a good time. And she's like, I don't know a Frank. There's no Frank. And then I said, well, I told her apparently about her mother and a mother's knee and they were going to go into the hospital for something else, but it's the knee and there was a problem with the knee and to get it checked out. I don't remember any of this. I do remember getting off that call going, cause she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. And I had a couple and I was like, oh, wow. You know, this mind chatter. This was early on in my stage of work. Oh, maybe maybe I was wrong. What was going on? But I'm like, nope, I trust my guides. My guides made me trust them. I have to trust it. 
And then she called me for a reading like a year later or something. And she said, you know, I went home to my mother and I told her what happened. And she said that her father was in war and he was driving the tank and something blew up and his friend in the war, Frank, died. And he always felt guilty for killing that Frank died. He felt like it was his fault. And then her mother went into the hospital and they thought it was a blood thing. And it was actually some water on the knee. It's stuff like that, Marianne, that if I stopped myself, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to give messages, right? So Hans King taught me this. Hans King is no longer with us, but he was a medium that I do really appreciate that I studied with that I thought was great. And he said that, um, he's like, you have to give the information. He learned it early on too, when a woman came in and she was grieving and um, he had a parakeet on his knee. And he's like, I gotta tell this woman I have a parakeet on my knee. And he's like, I have to tell you this, I have a parakeet on my knee. And she started bawling because she just lost her beloved parakeet. So keep, I hope this helps you. Let me know, honey. And uh, hit me up in, um, in membership. Okay, so I'm going to read a couple more. And do let me know, guys, if this is helping you. Because I like this format of taking questions from the community and um, being able to teach this way. Um, so let me know if this works for you. Okay. So this one's kind of a long one, but I feel like it goes in, um, a little bit in alignment with the, the mind chatter. So Diane, um, she said, recently I had a disturbing dream about death. And ever since I've been a bit fixated on death, losing sleep, waking early and continue to have negative thoughts and keep thinking I see signs. It's truly affecting my quality of life despite my attempts at positive thinking, meditation, mindfulness, and bestowing gratefulness. So before I go further into her question, this is mind chatter. This is, um, Diana, you're having some type of um, experience around death and how you hold death and how you feel about death. So although there you're seeing signs and stuff, spirits trying to have you understand what death is. We, we all go through phases in our life that are like a death where we're releasing things, but there's something in you that's very afraid of it. And you need to acknowledge that fear and find out what that is. And for me, as I, as I jump into this with you, it feels to me like there's a questioning of faith. Now, what I teach is none of us really know what happens after we leave here. I had an interesting idea come in the other day in a dream. And, I'm, and I have to share this with you because not right now, but I'm getting really informa interesting information about where we go after and what reincarnation is all about really and time, how time is really, um, is that really the spirit coming through or are we going into time dimension or whatever? I share this with you, Diane, because I feel like you're being called for a deeper understanding of your own truths is what I heard spirits say. And if you're, it's okay to be in fear. We don't want to be afraid of fear because fear is a natural emotion, a natural feeling we have. When we move into uncomfortable energy, we move into fear. But people are so afraid of feeling fear that they stop their growth. And you can't do that. You have to lean into it, learn about it, feel into it. You've survived before. You've had other thoughts before that were fearful and you made it through. So spirit's inviting you to what is death to you? What do you feel like they're trying to communicate with you? For me, what I feel is they're asking you, there's a part of you they're asking you to release. And I would say it's this anxiety part, this anxious part of you, this part of you that feels like you're in doom and gloom. And, and I appreciate how you're saying you're working towards positive thinking, meditation, mindfulness. That's great. 
But if you're not living those things, right? It's one thing to like be thinking about them. You've got to incorporate them into your everyday life. You've got to call yourself into consciousness in moments. And we teach this. We're going to be doing another SAS experience, Diane. So I hope you do that because we teach a bit of this and that. Because I deep dive into subconscious um, thinking and and tools and techniques to, to create better behaviors right in the moment in SoulFinder Academy. So you want to bring your attention in the moment. Notice where the anxiety is ruling your life and the fear is ruling your life and bring mindfulness to that because that's going to shift you out of the anxiety. So she said, I keep having distressing thoughts as I wake, lay in bed, et cetera. I have a standard procedure done in two days. So she was having a procedure and I got to this much later because this was posted. So I'm assuming she was okay um, because she posted again. So two days and I have so much anxiety about the anesthesia. You're afraid of dying. I'm not, you know, honey, I'm not judging any of this. This is such a great opportunity to meet it and find out what it is because spirit is asking you to deep dive into your spirituality. We deep dive into our spirituality when we start questioning what death is. None of us know what goes on after we leave here. We have to come up with a belief system that helps us to live a very full life while we're here. I know what I believe to a certain degree. And I'm, and and I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not. I don't want to leave my dogs. I love them so much. So that's like the only thing, like you may have kids. Like I know a lot of parents are like, no, my kids have to be like on their own and successful. Play with it. See what it's about. Whatever spirituality is asking you to open up to it, to see what it is. That's what it feels like to me. Especially anesthesia, right? Because anesthesia can be a little scary for people. How can you tell when you're being communicated to by your angels in the universe versus just having anxiety and should seek therapy? Great question. It's both. Your angels and the universe is showing you a real fear you have. And you may need to bring it to a qualified therapist to work through where those fears are coming from. So to me, if I look at everything as information, which I do, even if I'm facing fear, I know that my guides are teaching me something about my own personal growth in that fearful moment. And so I get to work with them on it. I get to work with my own personal being, the uncomfortable energy, and then I get to bring it to a therapist or a coach or a healer or a teacher to work further on it. I'm stressed. I just want to know I'll be okay. See, there it is. You're afraid that you're not going to be okay. This is so anxiety is coming from, there's different places I feel anxiety, but one of the things I've noticed lately where anxiety comes from is when we don't love ourselves. There's a, there's a calling to loving yourself completely, to not being afraid. There's a part of you, I feel, Diane, when I tap into your energy, that you're afraid you're going to die before you get to do what you're meant to do here. Now's the time to get into action. Watch that video I just did a membership for your soul this past Friday this past week, all last week, um, you're going to be listening to this. So it'll be like three weeks ago, go to the videos, make sure you watch the one that I did. Uh, I can't remember, but it's the week, the, the third week in September. Um, make sure you watch those because I talk a lot about where we're going energetically. And I'm going to be talking about that on the podcast too. I know the pandemic is causing more anxiety, but it's my dream that's causing me to worry incessantly. No, your dreams are waking you up to the anxiety that's existing in you. We have a dream class and membership. Take a look at it. But dreams are either clear, um, 
precognitive where you're having actual psychic dreams or psychological. Many times they're psychological. So your brain isn't shutting down enough during the day for you to recognize the anxiety and fear that's ruling your life. So when your brain shuts down a bit, your dreams are now showing you the fear and anxiety that are ruling your life. I would suggest if you're considering therapy to find someone who could help you through this because it'll only benefit you and be great as long as you find the right therapist. I know dreams aren't always literal, but this dream was. Any help would be most welcome. I want to sleep well again. Thanks. You're you're gonna you need to work on the what's causing the anxiety. Why are you so afraid? Why is everything that's going on with COVID scaring you? Um, and I'm not saying look, there we are in intense times. I don't watch the news. People, somebody was talking to me yesterday about somebody I don't normally talk to, but I was talking to them. And um, they were telling me, you know, did you know this? And then I'm like, no, I don't watch the news. And I know it frustrates some people, but I don't care. I'm not, I'm not watching that stuff. I know that whatever I need to know, spirit's going to get in front of me. But I'm not going to go into that fear-based system. So I would suggest that you address the anxiety and fear that you're having. I would, I'm going to tell you, not only in your sleep state. Then she did another question. Any insight into this next chapter in Texas or my digestion health issues? I'm trying to stay positive, but it's hard. So here's the thing, Diane, you have fear and anxiety that are ruling your life. Any choice and decision you make, you're not going to be comfortable in. So you can't, digestion and health issues means you're not digesting life. You are too afraid. You are probably living your life based on past experience, which a lot of us do where disappointment has constantly happened. So you don't trust anything in the future. You And, and Diane, I'm not putting down, I say all of this with love, you know me, but you need to address this. Because digestion issues, I don't do health. I don't consider myself a medical intuitive. I've been good at health, but I do not do it. So I usually address the spiritual issue underneath it. And that is you're not digesting life. You are too afraid to digest anything. You're so afraid of making a mistake. You're so afraid that things are just gonna get more difficult. I would say with the amount of anxiety that's running through you, it would be really beneficial for you to go speak to someone because you need that guidance right now and support, that support. And to be able to speak it out loud helps so much. She said, I'm trying to stay positive. I do feel I positively manifested something recently with a positive outlook, which made my day. Can you change the course of your life with positive envisioning in one future or is it a fate set? I don't believe in fate. So... These are really important questions and these are big questions. So I'm going to try to answer this in a simple way because I've already given so much attention and energy to this question. If I believed in fate, I would, that would, I would not believe in free will, but see, we look at things at a limited mindset. So I'm going to, I'm going to confuse the heck out of you right now. Infinite intelligence. Does infinite intelligence know what we're going to choose? Probably it's infinite intelligence. I can't possibly wrap my brain around what infinite intelligence knows. It's, let me show you a limiting belief. When somebody tells me that someone told them Archangel Michael's too busy to work with them, that's a limiting belief to me. So fate is such an interesting topic because we could talk about it from an infinite intelligence point of view. Yeah, they may know. Infinite intelligence may know, but not the way we understand it. And I understand that I have free will and the ability to make choices. So does infinite intelligence know what choice I'm going to make? Does that mean it's fate? You could go around in circles, girl. You got to find what you believe. And then you got to live your life by it. So yes, I do believe that positive thinking, positive visioning, positive feeling helps you to make better choices, helps you to not live from so much fear, helps you to ground in faith. 
it's not so much about envisioning and then you're manifesting. It's that you're feeling more positive. So you're making better choices. So things are lining up. If you're making choices from scarcity, fear, and anxiety, yeah, just wait for those walls you're going to hit. So that's what it's about for me. Okay. Great question. Great, great question. Uh, let me see if I can take one more time-wise. Yes, I can. So I'm going to take one more. This is fun. I like this. Okay. Maria, she says, I know Maria very well. And, and by the way, I just wrote these down the way I got them. So I do get to the questions. Well, hopefully I'll get to all these questions, but not today. I won't. I do not see myself as a reader, more like a spiritual coach. So again, Maria, I know Maria very well. Why are we categorizing it? Why? Why is one like a reader, one like a spiritual coach? Maria, I see myself as a spiritual coach who can also read. You can choose to do it however you want. Why do we have to identify with what's already out there? If you're creating your own personal brand, you're going to you're going to do a little bit of A, a little bit of B, a little bit of C, a little bit of D, a little bit of F, a little bit of Z. But if you're trying to label yourself just so you could go out there, you're going to screw yourself. Yeah, I call myself a psychic medium. I like that title. I've played with changing that title. Oh, you know, if I want to get hired by a corporation, they're not going to hire the psychic medium. But it feels good to me because it embodies a lot of what I do. I call myself a psychic medium, a teacher, and a coach. I'm all of those things. It feels good to me. I might call myself a soul. There's a soul title I have that I want to call myself, but I'm like, mm, well, do I want to step into that? Because that feels like, you know, I don't know. But you have to find what's right for you. And if you feel better calling yourself a spiritual coach that also in, is intuitive and you know you're intuitive, but you don't want to go out saying that because the problem with people saying they're a reader is all the friggin' people out there that are standing there with their arms crossed going, prove it to me. I'd like to stick my middle finger up at those people. That's going to happen. Like I go for a reading, right? I, I don't usually, I don't go for readings anymore, but I did go for a reading about a month ago to a couple of people just because I wanted to see if they communicate my dad. He was not impressed by the readings. I did not go into that reading with that energy. This is one of the readers I, I sometimes will, uh, you don't know this person. So I don't want to say too much just in case I don't want people figuring it out because I don't want to badmouth the person because I think they're very good at what they do. But I didn't, I wasn't disrespectful to that reader. I was open. I, I was like, I'm so open. I wanted to hear. It. I was like, nah, it just wasn't, didn't resonate with me. But who cares? Do I think she's still a good reader? Yeah, I do. I do. I tend to sense blind spots or limitations in others. This is what she's saying. Often I say, so she said, I do not see myself as a reader, more like a spiritual coach, even though I'm not sure what the difference is. I didn't even get to that question. Good for you, Maria. Woohoo! You answered it yourself. I tend to sense blind spots or limitations in others. Often I say nothing in order not to step on toes or hurt someone, or even worse, make them angry. I want to uplift, not bring down. How do I find the balance? How can I overcome the fear of annoying those I read or coach? Thank you. Okay, so let me tell you something, Maria. This is work that you need to do on yourself, okay? Doesn't mean you wait until you do this work on yourself. You're not gonna do this work on yourself till you get out and coach some clients and then you piss a client off and then you get to work with it. Here's how it works for me. You work with me. You know you've worked with me, so you know how I am. Um. When you see limitations and blind spots, it's all about your languaging. So sometimes you could see, sometimes, whatever, let me just talk about how I feel I do it. 
I do my best not to project onto the reading. But I've had a couple of people, and uh, it's happened a few times in membership, people ask the same question repeatedly, and I lose my patience a bit. And I know I'm losing my patience because I'm like, how many times are we going to have this question? Do the work. And then the person will say, I'm doing the work. And then I'm like, did you do class A, B, and C? No. Or later on, they'll tell me one person, I'm not going to get into names or anything. I wouldn't do that. She's like, I'm doing the work. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't mean to offend you. And then like six months down the line, I hear, I haven't gone in and done the work in a really, really long time. Matter of fact, I don't do the work. So stuff like that annoys me. You have to decide who you are as a coach, not who people are going to want to have as a coach. And then the right people will come to you. I am not everybody's cup of tea. So Maria, when, when I see blind spots and limitations, um, and I wish I could, you know, I could probably have you talk to some of my coaching clients so you could hear how they have it for me. So I have one coaching client right now. I'm very direct with her, but I don't make her feel wrong for what's going on. I ask questions. So if I see a blind spot or limitation in someone, I'm not like, Hey, yo, you know, you shouldn't be in this, uh, in this work partnership because it's just bad for you and you're making a bad decision. I don't do that. I ask questions. What do you feel like you're going to get out of this? Have you done research on this? Do you know that their track record? I want you to have more conversations with these people. I want you to make sure that this is right. This did, I'm using an example. So if this person hears it, um, it's not about you. I'm just using you as an example. So, cause my client's going to hear that and be like, that's me. I'm like, no, I'm just using you as an example right now. Um, so it's the way you language. Languaging is super important to me in readings. I wouldn't say to somebody, um, you have to leave this guy no matter what. I'd be like, well, spirit is leaning towards the, the place where you need to, this relationship is no longer serving you. And this relationship, there's a lot of um, um, not care towards you. And why aren't you caring for yourself? Spirit doesn't make it about other people. They always make it about the person we're talking to. So one way is the way you question, the way you deliver the information. The other thing is you won't, I don't feel that you would be a really good coach unless you're ruffling feathers. The best coaches ruffle feathers, but it's the way in which you ruffle feathers. I would really hope that most of the people that I've coached felt really loved, loved and supported by me. And I've gotten feedback that they do, that they're like, thank you for the direct questions. Thank you for kicking my butt. But they know I love and support them and I want the best for them. They also know, and this is how I set it up in the beginning, as soon as we start coaching together, I'm like, you have to be honest with me. You have to be direct with me. If I piss you off, you have to let me know because this relationship is not going to grow and you are not going to grow in your work unless you're honest with me. And it's my promise to myself that if I get triggered by a client, I am not allowed to bring that into the session unless the client said something and did something that I have to have a conversation with them, but I'm not allowed to go off on them. I, if this has happened where I've had to walk away, get clear on myself and then approach the client and have a conversation with them and say, okay, when you did A, B, and C, I experienced it as D, E, and F. Let's work through this. And that's only happened a couple of times where I've had to do that. So it's really the work is with yourself. Um, you can always uplift and not bring down, but you're not going to, they're not going to lift up if they're not seeing the blind spots and limitations, they're just going to stay stuck. How can you be a fruitful coach? If all you're doing is blowing smoke up their butt and not helping them to see the block that's right in front of them, that they need to go around and grow, that they need to shift, that they need to change. 
So that's how I find balance. My balance is in communication with them, letting them know how I'm going to work. And my balance is in um, how I language things. My balance is always in holding the highest for them. My balance is not projecting. Like I've been, I've been like triggered a couple of times with clients and I've had to turn that button off that I'm not going to bring that into a session. That's not fair to someone. I've had coaches do that to me and it's horrible. It's a horrible experience. You're in a vulnerable place. So I don't want to do that. Plus day one, my client knows you need to be able to tell me if I've triggered you, if I've upset you, if you felt like I didn't support you, you know, so you have those conversations and then you're going to overcome this fear the more you do it. That's how you learn. We don't learn by sitting back and waiting. We learn by doing, making mistakes. Yeah, they're uncomfortable. Growing from them. Look, any mistake, hopefully, you know, you're, I know you, Marie, you have the most loving soul. I can't imagine you saying anything that's going to be hurtful, but you can always go back to the person and say, Hey, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you felt this way. I'm sorry that I said something. It wasn't my intention. It's the best thing, you know, or if I didn't feel that way, I'd be like, Hey, you know, this is how I feel. Um, I understand you don't receive it this way and I respect you and we can agree to disagree. So that's where I offer up to you. All right. I really wanted to get to so many more, but I'm going to stop here. So do give me feedback because I have a bunch more questions that I was hoping to answer on this podcast. And, um, I'm not sure if I'm going to get to them. Um, I may, I may do it in episode, um, this is episode 53 now, probably episode 55, because I do have a bunch more that I would like to get to. Um, I am going to grab Sandra's question really quick. There's so many great questions. I'm going to have to do an episode on them. So Sandra asked, I was asked by you to dig more deeply into my fragility and why I'm shutting it down. So Sandra's in Soul Finder Academy and membership for your soul. Um, it feels very deep. And I'm unsure what direction to go with this. So Sandra, I remember that, um, I want to give you a reading on this. I remember that post where I brought this up and, um, Sandra had uh, an experience with these beautiful dishes and I know it was the China closet and it was chipped and, um, it just brought out all this, the way she wrote the post, that's what I picked up from it. Sandra is very gifted medium channeler, psychic coach teacher, shaman. I talked about her in episode 52. And what I felt with you, Sandra, is the more that you're able to be fragile and vulnerable, the way you treat your clients, it's almost like spirit is having you take those hands and treat yourself that way. The more your gifts are going to accelerate and grow and expand. And this is what they're offering up to me, honey. And you get to decide what you want to do with it. We're very vulnerable. I'm putting myself in here a second, just so I could explain this very vulnerable and sensitive. And the more we grow, and I know you know this, we become even more sensitive and vulnerable to information. And in order to expand, we have to continue to play in that area. But sometimes as spiritual teachers and mediums, we've learned to control certain aspects of the work because otherwise it could, it could railroad us or it could flatten us, or we could have an experience or Sometimes we could like just travel to another place and not be here on the physical plane. 
So we've put some boundaries in the work in order to continue to extend, you know, to do the work. And spirits like the way that you want other people to go to that place of uh, tenderness inside is the place that they're inviting you to go inside to yourself because there's more information there for the way that you, um, the way that you're going to work with others, the way you're going to work with yourself, and also the information that wants to come through. It comes through in a very accelerated, it's almost like a rocket ship that comes through your first and second chakra and shoots through all your chakras at your crown. So the fragility allows you to release the otherwise preconceived ways of working. Now, I know that you're very open. I know you're very expansive. So please know that they're just asking me to explain it this way. But what they're explaining, and they're using me so that I can understand it to give it to you, deliver it to you. So I work with my guides in a specific way that I've been working with in a, in a way, you know, in, in a certain way for a while. And they're like, okay, so you dissolve that way of being, which opens up fragility and vulnerability because now you're saying, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, what would happen if Marilyn, if you went into a channel session with us and you didn't open up your chakras and we had you um, sing songs and dance around and then sit down and be in your vulnerability. And I don't know, they're just making things up for me. How would you feel? And, and I'm like, wow, would I feel as connected to you? Even though I talk to them like you do every single day, if I went into a channel session and didn't do what I routinely did and I did something else, oh, there's vulnerability there. Do I trust myself to show up? Do I trust them to show up? So being fragile and vulnerable is about opening up deeper. So she says, it feels very deep and I'm unsure what direction to go with this. Am I looking at family lines, personal past lives? No, you're looking at how you operate in life with releasing control, being completely vulnerable and fragile. Where in your life, and I know you have an incredible marriage, incredible community, where in your life are you completely vulnerable? You are with your guides, but where in the physical presence of your life do you allow that vulnerability to exist, that fragility to exist? She says, I feel like I've been the tough one all my life. There it is. And it feels downright scary to tap into this piece of me. What do I do? It's so funny, guys, when I copied and pasted the questions, I didn't resin I didn't read the questions full on through. I actually did read them, but I didn't remember them. Normally when I ask, answer questions in membership and I do readings, I don't read the questions at all until I read them. And then sometimes I do what I did with her where I, I do the reading off of the first line because I'm already getting information. Sandra, they gave you the answer. It's you've had to be tough for a reason to take care of yourself, to protect yourself. <sighs> Breathe into what it would be like to work with spirit from a completely vulnerable place, from a gentle place, from a fragile place, from a soft place. I feel like we're mirroring each other right now, sweetie. So I resonate so much with your question and I'm glad I gave you this question to yourself by that post and I'm glad you're giving it back to me. It's always scary when we grow, when we expand. And spirit is like, she has so many untapped resources that are growing. They show me this like field of baby grass. And it's really kind of like, I love sunflower um, pods. I eat sunflower pods. They're the green pods. And I love them. And they're showing me those growing out of the grounds for you. And um, 
they're like delicious. And we can't, and they're showing me you running around with your bare feet. And you can't get into that if we're, if you're doing life the same old way. So, so spirit just said, if you can allow yourself to be vulnerable and fragile with us first and foremost, even more so. And they said, change up how you go in and talk to them. They said, you'll see more of this coming out into your, uh, into your life and into you. And it's going to soften the lines around you that allow you to communicate with spirit. Even there's more information that wants to come through. It's going to come in accelerated. All right, guys, thank you so much for participating and, and being part of this. I hope this was educational for everyone, not just the people I'm reading questions to. I know in membership, what we do, and I should have done this in the beginning is I have people write down a question and then um, what hits their heart. I'll do this the next time I do this. I'll make sure that I, I give you guys an exercise ahead of time that we do in membership and everybody, whether they have a question or not, gets questions answered. Thank you so much. Um, I'm super excited. I just love this and I'm really happy to be heading into year two. And um, who can it be now? I have no idea. Let's open the door and see. I'll see you next week. Bye.